This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Making Shift Happen, where I want to help you make some shift happen. Welcome to a new week. I hope you're listening to this uh, with a smile on your face and with a good start to your day so far, because today we're going to be talking about how to stay focused on some long ass bike rides. That's not technically the title of the episode, but still, you get the point. And um, this episode was really inspired by some recent conversations that I've had with some clients and also with some friends. So shout out to you all. You know who you are. I'm not going to sit here and and identify your names by any means, since that's in confidence. But I did want to go ahead and say, hey, full disclosure, this is definitely inspired by you all. And I appreciate you for letting me have those conversations with you and uh, and just knowing that it can get it can get fairly raw to talk about your own experience in certain races and events and just on regular rides. All too often, I think that the main issue lies in thinking ahead to what hasn't really happened yet or what will happen. Uh, You're thinking about that climb that you're dreading, you know, in 20 miles or the next mile, who knows. Uh, You're maybe thinking about a difficult section of trail that's ahead of you, thinking about lunch or dinner or an argument that you recently had with someone. Or maybe even you're thinking about the lengthy to-do list that you need to tack later in that day or that week or weekend or what have you. So why are you thinking of these things ahead of you while you're on these long bike rides or even, even a longer to you bike ride? Because long, just for clarity, is relative to your subjective understanding. So it's really subjective. You know, this is based on what is long to you. What's long to me might be a different length to you and you might not consider it long and vice versa. And, um, so think about it, you know, why are you thinking of these things ahead of you? Your focus on the present moment, it's been lost in essence. So when you're thinking ahead or you're worrying about the future, it's because you're not necessarily thinking about the present moment that you're in. And that is a typical sign of anxiety and anxious thoughts and things like that. Not, of course, I'm not diagnosing anyone with anxiety uh, because I think it's a normal human response to think about and wonder about the future because it is a wonder. It's something that we don't know and it can bring a lot of uh, tension. It can bring a lot of unknown to the situation and just your day and how you're feeling in general. There's just a whole lot of shit that you just don't know what's going to happen. And... I do find that, you know, not focusing on the present moment and losing that, that essence of the present moment while you're biking, I find that this is a typical, it's, it's more typical for, uh, road and gravel cyclists than mountain bikers. Most of the time, at least based on my experience personally, as well as my experience with my clients and friends and things like that. And I think it has to do generally speaking with the terrain in mountain biking versus, you know, road and gravel cycling. Uh, especially, you know, comparing mountain biking, honestly, to 
gravel. Like I think that those are, are two different things, even though they can be very similar because the thing with road cycling is you do have other drivers and maybe some, you know, mountain passes and, and lack of shoulder and debris in the road. You do have those things to think about. So they're please know that I'm not belittling one method of biking over another because I do all three, uh, you know, forms of cycling. So, and I was also a roadie for several years. So don't think that I'm poo-pooing or saying that one is better than the other. I I don't want my, my words to be minced, but you know, mountain biking just requires you to stay present and aware more than on a fairly monotonous section of road. Okay. I think that's a fair assessment to state. Gravel cycling does require a bit more focus given the terrain, but your risk of running into a tree or going off the edge of the trail is fairly reduced compared to mountain biking, you know, and of course, compared to, to road cycling, it's, it's also different. So why do you think of the future? It's unknown. You know, none of us know what's happening. The unknown creates a level of anxiety to some degree, like I mentioned earlier. And, and which honest, I will say that if that anxiety that you do experience is on a spectrum of intensity and that spectrum of intensity varies person to person, it is not the same for everyone. So what might make you anxious on and off the bike is not necessarily what is going to make someone else, maybe even your brother or sister or sibling might not even make them anxious. And, um, again, the unknown just creates that level of anxiety to some degree for, for some folks. And that intense feeling surrounding that anxiety can vary person to person. And you'd often rather know what's ahead or what's going to happen, right? I think that would make life a lot easier. (laughs) At least we think it will which is why we place so much emphasis on thinking of the future and trying to create the future that we want. So why do you think of the future? Really, I want you to stop, press pause if you have to, and just think about, you know, what are the reasons that you maybe think of the future? What are some things that that have you gravitate towards thinking about the future constantly? Just just pause and think about that, all right? Um, maybe while you're on these bike rides or not, you might also uh, be thinking about what's ahead in anticipation of it as well. You know, a lot of, a lot of times we will memorize, we will memorize the ride profile of our ride. Hey, we know aid stations are at mile 15, 25, 35 on up, like every 10, 15 miles. Great. And I know that before mile 25, I have this climb and this is going to be an increase of 2000 feet in elevation yada, yada, yada. All right. So we know the routes that we are biking, generally speaking. And sometimes that can be a blessing, but it can also be a detriment too, because we're so focused on race day, especially if it is a race or an event or something like that. We're so focused on race day to do well that then we think about that future part of the trail just too much maybe. And there is a fine line between planning ahead and worrying ahead. So planning ahead versus worrying ahead. I, I want that to be a little bit of a bullet point that you kind of put it put aside in your mind right now. You know, certainly plan ahead for your hydration and your nutrition and your energy needs. Uh, can, can you know, depending on the temperature, the elements that you're in, the terrain. Maybe if you traveled to this event, things like that, right? There's a lot of factors that can come in play, come into play rather. 
And, you know, definitely plan for those things because those are controllable elements to the best of your ability. You're going to try to sleep as well as you can the night before. You're going to try to eat as well as you can the the couple of days leading up to that event. And then of course the day of the event, yeah, you're planning for your hydration and nutrition and energy demands, and maybe even your, your aid station stops and what exactly you're going to eat it at, you know, certain miles. Sure. That's something that you can plan ahead because you, you ultimately know the length of the event that you're doing. And you want to be able to plan accordingly and you want to be able to, to plan your energy expenditure and intake according to that. All right. That's, that's planning ahead, but worrying ahead is, is worrying about what's ahead because you can only control so much. You can't control the terrain in front of you. You can only control how you handle and respond to that terrain. And I think all too often, we just need to keep that in mind. You, you know that a climb's coming up. Great. High fives. You know that a climb's coming up, but I mean, what the hell are you going to do about it? Like there is nothing you can do except obviously in your training, prep for it as best as you can. But the day of the event, the only thing that you can do is handle that, handle that terrain, handle that hill, handle that, that incline, whatever you're trying to handle, just handle it to the best of your ability. And ultimately that is all that you can do. And that is all you should ask of yourselves. And worrying about what is ahead, I mean, really stop and think what, what will worrying about what is ahead of you get you? I mean, besides an ulcer, uh, you know, maybe a little indigestion and just anxiousness. So then you're going to feel more tense on the bike. You're not going to feel like you're relaxing your shoulders. You're probably straightening your arms at the elbows and riding on a gravel terrain like that, or riding on a mountain bike trail like that. And that's not good for anyone. Definitely not good for your elbows. And you know, not good for your tension. (laughs) If you, if you are more tense and you hold tension during events like this. So why, you know, why are you worrying? Get clear on why you're worrying and what you're worrying about, because being aware of what happens in your brain and in between those ears of yours on a consistent basis will help build awareness around just how you respond to stressful situations. And I think that that's ultimately incredibly important for knowing that you, how you will respond to longer, longer duration, you know, events like Leadville, you know, SBT gravel. There's a lot of events out there that are longer in duration. And I think that that's very empowering. So try not to tamp down those concerns or worries or anxieties and try to embrace them and just become more aware of them. And now that I've said all of this, you're probably wondering, you know, how the hell do you manage these thoughts that project towards your future or the future, you know, whether that's in an event or not, I'm glad you asked (laughs) because the solution is ultimately to be as present as possible. You know, the act of being present is also called mindfulness. And this is something that you've heard me talk about in my blogs a few years ago, as well as just in, in, you know, random postings that I have talk about mindful mindfulness a lot because it's very present in my life. You know, it's something that's very important to me. And again, it's just the act of being present. I think a lot of people think that mindfulness is some like esoteric type of concept that is out there and very, uh, unattainable for them. And it's not, it's attainable to you right now. You're listening to this podcast. Maybe you're also multitasking and you're driving while listening to this podcast, but you are listening to these 
to these words that I'm saying. And, and for that, I appreciate that. And I thank you. I really do. I, I love folks who tune in and, and send me messages and give me feedback on, on these episodes. I really do. I, I appreciate every single one of you. So thank you. But do you ever find yourself, if you're in a thought while you're driving and maybe listening to this podcast or working out listening to this podcast, if maybe you did start to think about something else and then you're like, shit, I, I just totally missed the last minute of what Jen was saying or the last 30 seconds of what Jen was saying. I, I blinked. I like zoned out. <laughs> and that, that happens because that's just your monkey brain. It's your monkey brain going from thought to thought like a monkey goes from branch to branch, all right? So hopefully that kind of helps you understand the idea of mindfulness. It is not something that's super hippy-dippy and out there. It is something that you do when you are in focus and you are present with the current moment. So mindfulness, the act of being present, okay? Now, there are several ways that you can bring mindfulness to your current moment on and off the bike. But of course, for the sake of today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the five different ways that you can bring some mindfulness to your pedals and to your bike and things like that. Okay. All right. Number one, you ready? Focus on your pedal stroke. So just pause and, and check in a moment. Of course, don't pause your pedaling, keep pedaling, but check in with your pedal stroke you know, focus on it and just see how it is. How's your pulling up? How's your pushing down? How's your heel angle? Are you tiptoeing on your pedals, which isn't the greatest thing to do? Um, I see that often though, for folks who are clipped in, you know, aim to create some circles or ovals, whatever, whatever shape speaks to you. I know that there's arguments over this. I don't care. Just actively pull up and push down, you know, like make it a consistent pressure throughout your pedal stroke. That's, that's what you should try to do. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just has to be better. So focus on your pedal stroke. Take a few moments and just dial in on your pedal stroke. That will automatically bring your focus to the moment that you're pedaling. Magic, right? And that's just step number one. So that's the easiest one to do because you are pedaling. Now, of course, if you're mountain biking, sure, you might not be pedaling. So that's when I recommend getting in touch with your contact points on the bike. So this goes up still in point one, still in point one. So you can pedal. Now, of course, this is a little bit more applicable to folks who are in clip pedals or clipless pedals, whatever the freak you want to call it. Um, but still applies. Even if you're on flat pedals, you still have to make that nice pedal stroke as even as possible. Okay. Uh, as you're pulling the pedal back towards you, you know, towards your butt, Great. Try to drive through your heel, you know, try to engage those hamstrings a little bit more uh, because those are the biceps of your lower legs. So it's one of those situations where just being present with your pedal stroke is fantastic. However, there are other points of contact on your bike. What are they? Obviously your pedals and then your hands and also maybe your butt. So your saddle points, great. Check in, make sure your core is nice and engaged. You're trying to lock down your ribs down to your hips a little bit more, doing almost like a mini crunch for lack of a better way to put it. Rounding out that lower back just slightly to kind of flatten it out. You're not, you're not, a, 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 you're not a professional dancer around a pole. You're not trying to pop that booty out on the saddle. So try to, you know, get rid of that lower back curve, excessive curve as much as you can, and just try to engage the front core a little bit more. That is one way that you can kind of make sure that you're really planting those sits bones on your butt down on that saddle fairly evenly. Maybe move your butt forwards, backwards a little bit. Obviously, this doesn't always apply to mountain bikers since we are generally out of our saddles quite frequently. But still, this is an idea, especially if you're climbing. If you're climbing, 
it doesn't really matter, you know, what type of bike you're climbing, road, gravel, mountain. Of course, this will apply a little bit more to mountain cycling, mountain biking rather, but mountain cycling, <laughs> where the hell did that come from? Uh, mountain cycling. Um, but when you're mountain biking and you're climbing, your butt doesn't necessarily need to be on the back of that saddle. You know, don't back that ass up. You want your cheeks, your, your sit, your sit bones, your sits bones rather to be a little bit more forward because you do want to shift your weight a little bit more forward, bring your chest down towards the handlebar a little bit. And uh, I know I've talked about this in previous webinars, but if you were unfortunate to have missed those webinars, fear not, I'm sure I'll be doing a post on this later, but you do want to be careful with your position as you're climbing on a mountain bike, because you want, you want to keep that body weight as even as possible because you don't want to lose traction on that front wheel. Okay. And you know, if you put too much weight on the back, you're going to be losing some traction on the front wheel. And that's not a great place to be. All right. So think about where your butt is on that saddle. That's a, that's a, a touch point. And then the other touch, touch point are your handlebars and your hands. And of course, it doesn't matter if you're on curlies, if you're in the, you know, in the, uh, on the flat pedal or on a flat handlebar, it doesn't really matter, but just try to make sure that you're not deck death gripping <laughs> the, the handlebar, uh, because that can obviously increase tension in your neck, shoulders, make you shrug your shoulders subconsciously and all of this stuff. So it can, it can create a little bit more excessive tension than we really want on the bike. So just be careful, bring awareness to your pedal stroke, your butt and your hands. All right. Those touch points is what I, what I like to call them. Cause that is ultimately how you connect your bike, which is really cool. Step number two or tip number two that you can, that you can do to get present with the moment is to focus on the terrain. Now, of course, this is pretty obvious because you're, you're biking on some sort of terrain, whether it be road, gravel, or a trail, but look at the ups and downs and focus on moving your body with it. Now, of course, road cycling doesn't necessarily need to be the case, excuse me, on undulating terrain because you're not necessarily experiencing undulating terrain like you are on a gravel bike and especially not on a mountain bike. So, or as much as, as you do experience on a mountain bike, I should say, but look at the ups and downs and focus on moving your body with that and be connected with the ground through your bike. That bike is that connection point between the, the ground and you and, you know, get Zen with it and ride with the flow. This is why I love pump tracks. It really helps you learn how to connect with that terrain and have your body mimic that terrain as best as possible, but focus on the terrain and just start to read the train, you know, look at now and next that's what we like to say as mountain biking coaches. We want to look about one to three seconds in front of our, in front of our wheel, you know, what's in, what's directly and immediately in front of us. But then we also want to ping pong back and forth between now and next. And next is a few more seconds ahead of you up to about 10 seconds ahead of you. You know, it's a point in the trail that you're going to reach in about 10 seconds or less, you know, it could be like five seconds, but the point is you're not staring at your handlebars or in front of your front wheel all the time because that can be fairly dangerous and it can also help it, it can help you want to um have the urge to break more than you necessarily need and believe me i'm saying this from personal experience uh not talking down on anyone because if i'm talking down on anyone i'm talking down on myself <laughs> but ping pong those eyes between now and next look at the now look at the present moment and then look ahead this is when it is okay to look ahead of course because you do want to prepare for what is immediately in front of you and that is going to be different than the act of being anxious about a climb that you have in 20 miles <laughs> you know so please know there is a difference uh, in the immediacy 
of now and next. All right, so focus on the train. The third tip I have for you on getting present and mindful is to focus on the scenery. Admire the fucking beauty that is around you. I don't care if you're mid-race, admire the hell out of it. There is a moment that you will find absolute joy and that joy is going to fuel you for those future miles, whether you are hammering it down, trying to even fight for first place or a top podium spot, it is going to bring you some levity and some relaxation and it is going to make you feel at one. You're probably going to feel even more connected with the surroundings that are around you. It is a fantastic way for you to forget that you're laying down the hammer. I mean, you still are, trust me, you're going to feel that, but it is going to be a moment where you're going to feel so connected with the world around you. It's almost euphoric and it's a really cool experience. You know, even when I was doing a race several years ago and, you know, got the, got the top podium on this one, there was a moment where I was riding in Vail and going downhill in Vail on my old cross country bike. Oh my God, rest in peace. Um, no, I'm kidding. That bike is still, it's still up and, and living, but I just don't have it. But oh my God, I, I practically like killed that bike going down Vail Mountain because, you know, I didn't care. And we were all on cross country bikes, honestly, because this was a cross country race. But I had a blast. I was going through Alpine woods and uh, Alpine trees rather. And I just remember being like, holy hell. And I also remember crying. Yes, like full on freaking crying at sunrise as I rode my second lap at 18 hours of fruta with my team. This was back in like 2017, 2018, something like that. Shout out. Um, but I remember I was on my second lap because I had started the first midnight lap and got that out of the way. We're each doing one lap, you know, the easy way to do 18 hours of fruta. Uh, but I was by myself. I was on my way to the second lap, you know, six, seven hours later because the race starts at like midnight. And I was solo and the sun had just started to crest the mountains in Fruta. And it was literally one of the most beautiful sights I'd ever seen. And, you know, it's pretty like standard park. Like it's at like, what is it called? Like Highland Lake State Park or something like that. It's a beautiful park, you know, shout out to those rangers taking care of it and things like that. Nothing about that, but it's not like, you know, I wasn't in the Grand Canyon or something that's very phenomenal. I wasn't in the Sequoias. Like I wasn't in something monumental, but there was just this point where you feel so connected to the earth and, and you know, the ground that you're on. And again, sounds kind of hippy dippy, I know, but I am a sensitive creature and I just felt in awe. And again, it was one of the most beautiful sights I'd ever seen. And I just started to tear up in my eyes. And I, I remember talking to myself like out loud. I'm like, fuck, it's so beautiful. Like it is just so beautiful. And it put a smile on my face and guess what happened? I pedaled freaking harder. I pedaled harder because I was motivated by what was around you. Use the earth, use the surroundings to motivate the hell out of you to push even further. You literally have something that is around you that is, you know, no matter what you believe in, you know, religion wise or what have you, doesn't matter, but use that to motivate you because there is beauty all around us. And I think we can use that beauty to really just fuel our current experience in that present moment. So it not only fuels the mindfulness and that, that, you know, that desire to be present, 
but it also fuels what the hell you're doing. And it's a nice reminder of life and the fragility of it. And it's really awesome to see that kind of unfold in front of you and, and to see the, the earth in a different light. Uh, pun intended, because it was sunrise. But, you know, take a second. And I want you to look up from your handlebars and your front wheel and the train every once in a while. You won't regret it. So seriously, tip number three, focus on the scenery. Get your eyes up and around. Don't worry about your competitors and use that to fuel the living hell out of you. All right, number four, hmm, one of my faves, focus on your breath. Try to breathe through your nose for a few breaths. That that would be a, a first suggestion because we are a ton of mouth breathers. Now keep in mind when we are going at full on, full throttle, intense efforts, then yeah, there is going to have to be a time and a place for you to breathe through your mouth because that's only normal, you know, when you're in that, in that state. However, do try to breathe through your nose for a few breaths because this has been shown to stimulate an increase in some nitric oxide. Uh, and that's, you know, a little bit of a vasodilator and it's all natural. Don't worry. It's drug-free zone. And, um, that can help you relax and breathe a little bit more easily and release some tension. And I usually personally suggest taking at least a minute to help also take longer and deeper breaths, whether that's in your nose or, or out, out in and out of your mouth or in your nose and out your mouth, whatever that, you know, form works for you, whatever format works for you. Um, just spend a minute and try to make your breaths a little bit longer and deeper and, you know, a little bit slower and this can help reduce your heart rate and relax you a little bit, which can also help at any point. I really do recommend this method, especially when you're climbing and you're really just trying to, to grind it out. And um, it's just a nice way to kind of, you know, stay focused on the present moment and also help relax you, especially if maybe you're not the strongest climber in the world. You know, what better way than to use your own breath? Like, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. And it's so empowering. All right, the fifth and final way to get mindful and present on the wheel here is to focus on the now much like i talked about earlier with the now and next and ping-ponging your eyeballs between those those two parts of the trail i kind of i kind of got ahead of myself i got excited uh focus on where the hell your wheels are look ahead look ahead about 50 to 100 feet or more and spot a tree or a boulder or a tr- uh, uh you know a stump or a signpost or something else and break your ride down basically into smaller sections like that. So you're going to look at that signpost or a tree or something ahead. You're going to be like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it hard. I'm going to hammer it, you know, hard until that, that, that point. And then you get to that spot and then great, hang out there for a little bit. And then maybe a minute or so, or a few minutes later, who knows, however long you need, find that next spot. This, this basically helps narrow your view down some more of you know, especially if you find the, the, the now, like getting present, if you find being mindful and being present difficult, I really recommend just breaking down and starting with this fifth tip is just kind of breaking down your ride into little sections and, and see how well you can stay focused on that little section. And I would start small, like maybe don't start with a hundred feet or more, you know, or a quarter mile, like just start with like, 20 feet in front of you. Oh yeah, look at that boulder. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hammer hard into that boulder. And that can really help you. It's kind of like meditating. You know, you don't want to start off with an hour-long meditation <laughs> as being your first meditation. 
Hell to the no. You want to start off with a minute long meditation or even a single breath long meditation. There you go. Single breath, fully present in through the nose, out through the mouth. Start small, start chipping away because I think that if you do find that you're a little bit more distracted on longer bike rides and you start to get kind of bored, great. Find a way to make this fun. Find a way that is important to you. You know, whether if meditation is your thing, great. Start focusing on your breath. Start focusing on your movement meditation, how you're moving on the bike. If prayer is important to you, great. Start pounding out some prayers, you know, whatever works for you. Maybe think of a list of five things that you're grateful for that day. You know, just try not to make your ride suck. That's the thing. Even if the ride itself does kind of suck, you're going up Belcher climb at White Ranch, like whatever it is for you, for those of you that live in Denver area, know that climb, you know, whatever it is for you, stop thinking about why it sucks and start thinking about why it's awesome. I mean, shit, I think we could solve a lot of issues, uh, if we just remember that you are on a bike and you're having fun, even if it's, you know, type two fun, <laughs> which is kind of the shittier type of fun, but still, even if it's a type two fun, you're still having fun. And I think sometimes we need to channel into that and just remind ourselves and yeah, do what works for you. Please keep in mind that these five tips that I offered today in, in the episode for staying present on your bike and during a long bike ride, these are not all inclusive, all right? You you can find your own way to stay present where your wheels are, but hopefully these five methods can help pave the way and give you some tools to add to your toolbox to help you on your next several rides. So I hope you can utilize this, uh, maybe try one idea. I would really recommend trying and starting with the fifth one first, which is just focusing on the now, you know, just looking at a boulder, 10 feet, 20 feet, whatever in front of you and getting there and just focusing on getting there, getting used to those contact points. I think that those are really, really crucial. I think that those are probably the two easiest ways to get, to get in touch because tactile is usually very easy. You know, touching is very, is a very easy thing for people to relate to instead of feeling in in hippy dippy and appreciating the terrain around you and blah, 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 uh, hugging a tree. But I feel like those two are the most accessible, especially if you're new to meditation or new to being present in the moment. But let me recap those tips real quick. Number one, focus on your pedal stroke and or the contact points on your bike. Uh, Number two, focus on the terrain. All right. Look ahead of you. Have your body match what your, your bike is doing or what the terrain is doing. Number three, focus on the scenery. So keep in mind, terrain and scenery, two different things. Scenery is going to be, have you, you know, hugging a tree, <laughs> not literally, but like focusing on the scenery is going to help you appreciate the surroundings that you're in. And then number four, focus on your breath. However that is, whether that's just slowing down your, your breathing, focusing on in through the nose, out through the mouth, just, you know, whatever, whatever works for you. All right. And then final is focusing on the now. Look ahead a few feet, find a point on the trail or on the road, get to it. Great. Mission accomplished. What did you think about? Reflect, you know, what did you think about what was going on? Great. Let's find another point on the road and repeat. All right. That friends is all I have for you today. 
I hope you slay the rest of the day and I hope it's an absolutely beautiful day for the rest of you. Uh, and I know that if you can take away anything from this episode, it's just to be present. Be, try to be as present as possible uh, in any type of conversations that you have with friends or family or loved ones, colleagues, and that will soon also translate to being present more on the bike. Uh, and I think it's just a matter of practicing. So don't be, don't be worried if you feel like you're failing at first, because that is a normal feeling. Just embrace that and use it as a learning experience. And that way, you know, that you can really hit this stuff hard, you know, on your next few rides. But I, I want you to take this away and I want you to to try it on your few rides ahead of you, especially if they are longer rides. But even if they're not, if they're short as hell rides, great, use it. See if it can help you stay focused and not thinking about to-do to do lists and all this other stuff. All right, if this resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode on Instagram, Facebook, whatever works for you. Tag me in it, that way I can see that you shared it. And then of course, I'll in turn share it as well and, and love you endlessly uh, and give you an, a virtual hug. And then also, if you're interested in working with me, please tap that application button in the show notes. I will be getting back from vacation on September 17th, 18th, and I'm going to be hitting the ground hard. I'm going to Portugal. I'm going to hit the plane and, uh, and head overseas and get out of town for a little bit. But yeah, I'll be overseas for about 10 days. And then I'm going to be at Rome Fest. So if you're going to be at Rome Fest, send me a message. I will be at Rome Fest Fruta uh, the week after I get back from Portugal. So I'm really excited about that because that is going to be my first Rome Fest. But yeah, I'd love to know that you're there. So send me a message, a DM, whatever you need to in Instagram. Um, but yeah, if you are interested in working with me, hey, let's see if we're a good fit. Tap the application button in the show notes and that will send you basically to a series of a few simple questions. And then that will, as soon as you submit those questions, that will then in turn send you a link to get on my calendar so we can get a little, a little chemistry chat going. All right. I am out of here. I hope you all have a beautiful day and take care.